The Buccaneers going for Anton Harrison in the first round is a direction that one expert has the Buccaneers exploring, and it would solidify Tristan Wirf's move to the left side. That and more on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs> What's up and welcome to the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so be sure to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You always get the latest episodes when they drop. I am James Yarko, Deputy Editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com, joined by my Mick Foley-hating co-host, Mr. David Harrison. He is a staff writer for BucksGameDay.com on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And of course, you can follow all the action on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DHarrison82. Quick apologies on my part. We had told you we were going to come live on Friday. I have a cold going through my house, and it happened to hit me on Friday. I had no voice, and it's hard to do a show without a voice. So my apologies to each and every one of you. That one is on me. Yeah. And I was actually pretty much pretty under the weather yesterday, which has no impact on locked on bucks, but my, my, my publishers uh, at the commanders bucks and wizards websites that I write for didn't uh, necessarily appreciate that a whole lot, but we do appreciate you for making locked on bucks. First listener, your first view every single day today. We've got two listener mock drafts that came through each taking a different defender in the first round but before we get to that we're going to get to ryan wilson of cbs sports who has an offensive player going to the tampa bay buccaneers in the first round ryan addresses the bucks offensive line need with oklahoma tackle anton harrison amazing last name uh in fact, i was actually born in oklahoma so there's a lot of there's a lot of connections here between myself and and anton harrison my new bff uh, cbs ranks person. what's that i said you're basically the same person I wish we were the same person. I would be an NFL lineman making millions of dollars. Um, CBS ranks Anton Harrison as the 26th overall prospect and the third ranked offensive tackle in the mock draft. Wilson says, quote, there is some thought that Harrison might return to Oklahoma for an NIL deal because that money is real. That was too good to pass up, uh, but he was in, he instead opted for the NFL. He's one of the top tackles in the class. And now the question is whether he finds his way into round one or goes early on day two, which I think is a very serious question because offensive tackles are very, very valuable, but so are pass rushers, so are pass defenders, so are passers. And in this year's draft class, there's three that we came into the offseason, James, knowing three of these quarterbacks are going to go first round, right? Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. The order kind of shuffles based on who you talk to. I think Will Levis is firmly in position number three, and now some people actually have him fourth behind Anthony Richardson, who was like a fringe day one uh, quarterback. and now, all of a sudden, I mean, it's it hasn't been a whole lot, but I've actually seen a couple of mock drafts in the last month or so that had Tanner McKee out of Stanford going in the first round. So, I mean, we might get five quarterbacks uh, in round one. Meanwhile, last year, Sam Howell goes from a second round, well, first round preseason selection to a second round immediate postseason selection to a fifth round actual draft weekend uh, pick. Anyway, nobody knows what they're talking about. So Anton Harrison goes to the Buccaneers, according to Wilson, uh, instead of, other names that we've talked about, like interior offensive lineman Osiris Torrance out of Florida, who, by the way, Chad Reuter of NFL.com, and his latest has him going to the Washington Commanders. So if you're a Gator fan and you want to hear my thoughts on him, 
head over to Locked On Commanders. Shameless plug. Ryan Brissy, defensive lineman out of Clemson, who I love, but I don't know if the need is there yet anymore uh, with the addition of gains from the Los Angeles Rams. Darnell Wright, offensive tackle out of Tennessee, another right tackle, but probably not as good as Anton Harrison. Deontay Banks, the big nickel out of Maryland. Nolan Smith, the edge rusher that I don't want to go anywhere near either of the teams I cover out of Georgia. And Dewan Jones, the really big right tackle that just stands there and blocks dudes. Yeah. Here's the thing about about selecting Anton Harrison and I was he was one of the guys that I heard speak at the combine. I didn't I didn't speak to him. I didn't ask him any questions, but I wanted to observe because obviously he's one of the higher ranked prospects at a position of need for the Buccaneers. And he reminded me a little bit and David, I don't know if you remember when when you and I were there a few years ago. He reminded me a little bit of Jonah Williams where he was adamant that he could be and will be a left tackle in the NFL. Yeah. I don't see it. I really don't. And I, I truly believe that if Anton Harrison is the selection for the Buccaneers at 19, he will be the right tackle. And Tristan Wirfs will absolutely move to the left side, at least for the first year. They're they're going to do that experiment. We've seen the Buccaneers experiment with the offensive line before, you know, under Jason Light's regime or reign or whatever you want to call it, moving Ali Marpet from guard to center to the other guard and, and bouncing all over the place. We've seen them draft Robert Hainsey, who was a guard, and transition him to center. Now he might go back to guard. So the the flexibility and the uh, the ability, basically, for the Buccaneers to experiment with their players to put the best five offensive linemen on the field at the same time is there. Now, whether or not it would stay that way could be a completely different conversation. But I don't think Anton Harrison is stepping into this team in this situation and they're just anointing him the starting left tackle. I think he becomes a right tackle in the NFL just based on his size and his speed and his, his footwork. I think he's better suited for the right side. Maybe he proves me wrong. He is a confident dude, and, and I liked him. He was very engaging, very accommodating to, to all of us around. So, yeah, he, he definitely doesn't lack confidence. I just think that he would lack the speed that you would need on the left side to be able to get out of your stance and, and be able to protect the quarterback's blind side at the next level. Yeah, it's real interesting, you know, because the, these guys, like some of it, you know, is, is what they say to the media. Some of it is what they say in the meeting room. And the question now turns to was Anton Harrison kind of as bold and as as, as firm on his, his opinion that I'm going to be a left tackle in the NFL, not a right tackle to the teams? Because, you know, if you look at the Buccaneers, at a minimum, it's, hey, dude, we might play you on the right. You know what I mean? It may not even right. be a definitive, but it's like we have Tristan Wirfs, all-pro caliber offense tackle. We may be moving him to the left side. We may move you to the right side. And I go back to Orlando Brown Jr., who, when he was getting drafted, kind of said the same thing. Like, I want to play the left. I want to play the left. I want to play the left. Uh, you know, a lot of time he kind of leaned on, like, my dad played left tackle. I want to play left tackle. And you, and you, and you completely kind of get that sentiment. But then when he gets to the NFL – Baltimore's like, yeah, it's cool, bro. You're going to play the right side. And to Orlando Brown's, you know, favor, like he played, you know what I mean? He, he played the right side. Now, you know, I, I don't want to say he like caused problems, but like when he had the opportunity to speak on it, he said, like, I want to be a left tackle. And then uh, he ends up getting his opportunity due to injury to play left tackle, played at a pro bowl level as a right tackle, played at a pro bowl level as a left tackle. The problem for the Ravens came in. Then he was like, look, I'm a pro bowl left tackle. I want to play left tackle. And he might've even made all pros left. I can't remember off the top of my head. And now the Ravens are in a jam because now they've got two young tackles. Both of them are very good left tackles, but you can only have one left tackle. So they end up trading. Now, I think the Ravens did fine in that trade 
Uh, you know, they didn't get, you know, messed over or anything like that. He goes to the Kansas City Chiefs basically now. He's like, now, not only do I want to be a left tackle, but I want to be like the highest paid left tackle in the league. I'm like, cool, we got Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. You have a good career. Uh, good luck with, to you uh, wherever. I can't remember where he landed. Cincinnati. But, uh, Cincinnati, yeah. Good luck in Cincinnati. Jonah now Jonah Williams is out on his way. You know, look, maybe the Buccaneers want to look at him as right tackle. I don't know. But I just remember going back to Jonah Williams and even Orlando Brown and kind of like, you know, you haven't really, in my eyes, earned the right to tell a team what you're going to be or where you're going to play. And so to me, trying to take the more humble route is kind of the better idea. But look, uh, you know, everybody comes from where they come from and they're, they're raised kind of the way they are and they come through. Uh, the way they want to, and some of them just don't really have that team mentality. It's, I will do the, what's best for the team, but I know what's best for the team is for me to be over here, and that's where I want to be. Um, you know, it might be it might be financially motivated. Who knows? Maybe, you know, some of these guys know. I mean, left tackles get paid more than right tackles, but guess what? Tristan Wirfs, he's going to want that money too. Someone who is known, James, as a more of a team-centric guy is quarterback Hendon Hooker. We love him, and uh, here in this mock draft, the Buccaneers get him at number 50, uh, they also get Texas A&M corner Jalen Jones at number 82. But my question for you is Hendon Hooker coming off of an ACL, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, second round pick, another second round pick going on a quarterback that may not play, probably won't play in his first year. What do you think about that? I'm all for it. If he falls to the Bucks at 50, I am perfectly fine with them taking him because, and this is the caveat, you're getting a first round quarterback in round two, strictly based off the fact that he suffered an, an injury, and we know mm. that ACLs are not the death sentence that they used to be. If Hendon Hooker does not get injured and he enters this NFL draft, he is arguably the second or third quarterback taken, maybe even the first. Yeah. So you would be getting a franchise quarterback potentially at 50 rather than having to use a first round pick yeah you absolutely take that 100 times out of 100 i would be yeah. we we would be doing a locked on bucks live youtube dance party after that pick yeah look building off what you just said if Hennon hooker doesn't get injured continues doing what he does i'm just gonna tell you right now that i don't see how in my opinion he's not quarterback number two no no shade to bryce young very close number three but to me Hennon hooker is quarterback number two you don't have a franchise quarterback in Tampa. The reason I didn't like the pick of Kyle Trask when that happened wasn't anything against Kyle Trask. It was you have a franchise quarterback right now. Build around that franchise quarterback who try to win a ring. Don't worry about the franchise quarterback of the future. And I know there's a whole other layer of conversation of that. But now you don't have that guy. Do whatever you have to do to go find that guy. You have Baker Mayfield. You got Kyle Trask. Spend another second round pick on a quarterback. If one of those three shakes out, you're not going to care uh, about everything that you invested in 2023 and 2027. Um, so. That's this mock draft. We've got some more mock drafts coming up. Defense getting some attention and some love in the first rounds of these two Bucks Locked On Bucks listener mock drafts coming up here on today's episode of Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel because the men's double N double NCA and double wow, the men's NCAA tournament is heating up. Uh Elite Eight is. Uh, coming up, there's no better place to get any action than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, FanDuel is giving you a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 if you are a new customer. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't pan out. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. And then you can wager on everything, whether it's money line, point spreads, total scores, who's cutting down the nets, who's draining threes, whatever it is you want to bet on, you can bet on it all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy. To you, So don't miss your chance at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 
Thanks for making Long Time Bugs Podcast first listening and first view of the day. I have a case of the Mondays, and we're recording this on Sunday, so I don't even want to know what Monday is actually going to be like. You're uh, just for, out of the way early, man. Yeah, hopefully. First of two listener-submitted mock drafts on today's episode. This one's coming from the Netherlands, and our bunny, Arnod. Arnod? Arnod? I'm going to go with Arnod. It could be Arno. It could be Arno. I'm going with Arnod. Because I'm American. So if I Americaned that up, I apologize. Um, Arnaud submitted a couple. One with trades, one without. And for this episode, we're going to go with the one without. He wrote that he feels the main need uh, of the team is offensive line, which uh, we agree, I think. Safety, pass rusher. Uh, goes on to say that day three, the Bucks should be looking for some linebacker help, D-line depth, corner, running back, tight end, uh, potentially a quarterback. With that in mind, here is the mock draft. Round one, James, we have safety. Ryan Branch out of Alabama, who we were just kind of talking about pre-recording. Mm -hmm. uh, this kind of goes back to the previous conversation we had last week about some of the safeties and, and the open market and kind of what these guys are dealing with. Like I kind of mentioned when Mike Edwards made it through phase one or wave one of NFL free agency, that, you know, look, maybe depending on his feelings about the team, teams feeling about him, maybe the, the Bucks will be able to get him back on a somewhat cheaper deal. Um, it didn't happen, but instead he goes to Kansas City on a very, very cheap deal. Especially when you're talking about a safety who's got starting experience, played for Super Bowl caliber defense, played for one of the best defenses in the NFL over the last uh, three years total. Um, it's it's just to me, it's indicative of the fact that the safety position um, is getting minimized in the National Football League. That being said, when you have a safety that can do a little bit of everything and and, and do it really really well, that's what we talk about like the Derwin James effect. Uh, like you need a guy to cover a slot receiver sometimes. You got a guy in, in this type of safety. You need him to cover a tight end. He can do it. You need him to tackle in the box. He can do that. Blitz, he's your guy. Cover deep. He can get you interceptions. Der Derwin James, that's his name. Derwin James is was that guy, still is that guy. Brian Branch, not quite as good as Derwin James, but he is the only safety in my mind in this year's class that can do all of that at what looks like to be an NFL level the second you bring him in. You just need to teach him your language, your signals, and your scheme and let him get comfortable within what you want him to do. But as far as the base elements of everything that you, you want a, a safety to do, he can already do, which is what makes him a first-round caliber safety. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Todd Bowles utilizes his safeties more and in more situations, in various situations, than any other defensive coordinator in the NFL. So you know, you're right about how they're kind of a, a undervalued position, especially when you're talking about the free agent market or or high draft capital. But I think in this situation, a, a selection like Brian Branch, who does do all those things that Todd Bowles is going to ask him to do, he's going to ask him to drop down in the slot. He's going to ask him to play in the box. He's going to ask him to play deep. He's going to ask him to blitz. You know, he, he can do all of those things. So he is kind of the model safety for what Todd Bowles utilizes in his defense. They need obviously more than one, but Brian Branch is a great start for what Todd Bowles uh, is looking for and is going to use out of the safety position. Yeah, absolutely. So good pick there. I, you know, I mean, Brian Branch and Tony Winfield uh, Jr. Cool. in the backfield, you should never have a last minute pass go over your head for a game winning field goal ever again. Can we not relive that ever again? Rounds two and three. Our nut comes back and the Buccaneers go offensive line first with that dude, my dude, D TCU Horn Frogs guard Steve Avila, uh, and then offensive tackle Tyler Steen out of Alabama. Tyler Steen is interesting because he's like, 
I mean, I've seen his name before. I've read his name before, like doing all this other, you know, we do mock draft Mondays every week. We are writing up mock drafts for our respective sites. So you see a lot of names, but like Tyler Steen's name suddenly just kind of seems to be coming up across like Bucks mm -hmm. mock drafts everywhere. And I don't know who started it. Maybe it was like Pewter Report. They like to throw out a lot of names and get creative with their mock drafts. Um, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, uh, Felix, uh, Felix Anudike Uzama out of Kansas State is, is a name that is burned in the back of Bucks fans' heads by now uh, as well. But look, I can't. Rashad White, all the love last year. I can't hate on Scott for pushing his Wildcats on people. Look, Steve Avila is, is a road grader. He is the answer at one of your guard positions. And I'm convinced you can play right or left. It doesn't matter. Wherever you want him, put Robert Hainsey on the other side or Aaron Stinney. Let those three go at it. Figure out who the best two are. The other guy, he's your other. He's the guy that sits on the sideline, waits for the other guy to get tired or knock on wood in case there's an injury. Tyler Steen, from what I do know about him, what I read about him, uh, a good Potential swing tackle could work his way up kind of in that six-man position uh, for the offensive line, but you know, not a guy who's going to threaten uh, for a starting job unless we get no other free agents in here. I mean, if he comes in and it's just him and Tristan Wirfs and maybe Luke Gedeke, then you know, let him and Luke battle it out for that right tackle job, and I don't honestly know who wins in that situation. Yeah, I think that's exactly the role that Steen would be is, is he would get the opportunity probably to compete for the starting right tackle. Again, that that pick right there solidifies uh, Tristan Wirf's move to the left side. Let him and Gedeke battle it out and, you know, may the best man win. But then you have somebody who played at a premier program, has extensive starting experience, can come in as a, a depth piece as he continues to develop and work his way up into, you know, who knows, maybe he's the starting right tackle by his sophomore season because of the work that he puts in or, or what have you. So, you know, right out of the gate, the first two days uh, from, from our nod or our no, uh, I, I think is great. You address three really, really important needs with three really good football players. And then yeah, day, day three, he just kind of starts hitting on, on everything across the board. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of picks there in day three. Edge, K.J. Henry out of Clemson. Dorian Williams, a linebacker out of Tulane. Moro Jomo out of Texas, the defensive lineman. Ja'Korian Bennett, the out perimeter corner out of Maryland. Uh, Davis Allen, who I, I call Cam Bright-Light um, out of Clemson, the tight end. And then Dwayne McBride out of UAB. I think my favorite pick there, honestly, is Dorian Williams out of Tulane. I think he's a better K.J. Britt. And potentially, I mean, to me, I think he needs two years before you can really start looking at him as maybe a starting off-ball linebacker. So I don't know if he's your immediate answer next season for Levante David potentially departing again, potentially departing uh, the team. But he's a good start to it. And if he doesn't pan out, then hopefully next year you can find that guy. The only pick there I don't like is KJ Henry. I'm lower on KJ Henry than a lot a lot of people are. Excuse me. Uh, I just don't see the impact that he's going to make. But hopefully I'm wrong if that happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Dorian Williams is the pick that jumped out to me the most. But I also really love the Davis Allen pick, getting a a tight end like Allen that late in the draft when you know you need to address it anyway. Again, that that helps you solidify kind of how the depth chart is going to work. So now you know Kate Otten is your number one tight end, but Davis Allen is a guy that can come on the field. He can block. He can go out and, and catch passes. You know, he would he would kind of be that that perfect in between what Kate Otten does and what Coquife does. So I, I think the value, especially a pick 195, is great for Davis Allen uh, out of Clemson joining the tight ends room. But we have another listener mock coming up in just a moment where we see a strategy that hasn't been approached for the Buccaneers this mock draft season, and it may not sit well 
with some of the Bucks fans who are listening to this show. But that's next here on Locked On Bucks. <laughs> Things up here on a Mock Draft Monday edition of the Locked On a Box podcast. And the second of our listener mocks comes from Ethan Stern, where he has a slightly different approach that I think some fans, don't get me wrong, I think some fans are going to love this idea. Some fans, not so much. And he's starting this draft off with back-to-back edge rushers. He's going to take Iowa's Lucas Van Ness in round one and then in round two, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, is it? It's Felix. Felix and Udike Uzama. Thank you. I'm just going to call him uh, Foul. Foul. F-A-U. Foul. Uh, from Kansas State in round two. And Ethan says in the email that he sent us, uh, lockdownbookspodcast to gmail.com, uh, you must be thinking back-to-back edge. Yep. I believe it's time to get some youth around Vita and get some pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So, David, what are your thoughts on the top two picks in this mock draft being edge rushers, given all the other needs on this roster? Um, You know, I don't particularly hate the concept, right, of getting because what he's looking at here is he's looking at like the term edge rusher is great, but like he's looking at a down lineman, right? So, so ideally you have Lucas Van Ness playing with his hand in the dirt mm-hmm. next to Vita Vea opposite Greg Gaines. And then you look at Felix and Udike Uzama out of Kansas state, basically being either a backup or, I mean, look, there, there are some people that are really, really high on Udike Uzama. And if that projection were to come true, he might actually give Joe Tryon when he could run for his money of being the starter opposite Shaq. Um, so best case scenario, you actually have a, a starting competitor potentially that you get on day two. I'm assuming that Van Ness went round one and, and, you, and you DK Uzama went round two. You have Shaq over there. Anthony Nelson's coming back. Very familiar with the scheme. You guys all know I've made a secret. Like I'm not really wowed by Anthony Nelson, but hey, the team loves him. That's all he needs to worry about, not me. Um, and then Joe Tryon, hopefully he takes another step, right? So if, if that doesn't, if that happens, then I mean, you've got, you should never have uh, you, you're never going to run out of healthy or you know rested edge rushers. Um, if that doesn't happen for whatever reason, you know what I mean? You, you've still got a year or two before basically Felix or Joe Tryon would have to flip over um, and, and replace Shaquille Barrett. You, you imagine. So I don't necessarily hate the methodology. I'm just not very high on Lucas Van Ness. Like I understand, you know, he didn't get all the starts because of the way that Iowa runs their stupid, stupid system. But I don't honestly look at Lucas Van Ness and be like, boom, that's a, a NFL caliber odd front defensive end. Um, and that's where he has to fit in here because if you're drafting two outside linebackers, then I absolutely hate this idea. And I don't think Lucas Van Ness is an outside linebacker standing up anyway in an odd or an even front. So again, I don't hate the idea of getting a down lineman and an outside linebacker. That's what I think Ethan's going for here. I don't really like Van Ness all that much. And I honestly, I like out of Tommy Wyatt, a bar out of Northwestern more than I like Felix and DK Uzama. I, I think I like Van Ness a little bit more than you do. And Probably. I don't, uh, again, I don't hate this strategy um, at the same time, you know, cause it's one of those things like something that you always say on, on the show is that you should draft a quarterback every single year because then you, you constantly have a shot at, at the next guy. 
this falls into that same category. You can never have too many edge rushers because having that constant rotation, having guys that can get after the quarterback, the, you know, the opposing quarterback is going to be under duress no matter who is on the field. I totally and absolutely understand that. I don't know if I love, you know, going with a, a potential down lineman in Van Ness and an edge rusher to join the rotation one and two, when you have one safety on the roster, you have, two running back or three running backs on the roster in, in chase Edmonds. I like him, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be the guy that's going to really relieve Rashad white of his massive amount of, of duty this year. You know, you need that offensive line help in, I think if this had been the strategy last season, it would have been brilliant. I think if this was the strategy, maybe even next season, it would be great. I just think this is the wrong year to go into that type of strategy. And again, if the Bucks do it, I totally understand it. And like you said, I understand what Ethan's going for. Um, I just, I don't love it with the other needs on the roster. Now, he did go on to address some of those other needs and some of those other yeah. concerns, but it may not be guys that are going to immediately come in and, and be starting caliber players because the rest of his draft uh, you know, it shakes out in, in round three, he takes uh, Luke Whipler, the offensive lineman out of Ohio State. Then on day three, a name that, that we're seeing more and more and more and more in these mock drafts is uh, defensive lineman Moro Ojomo out of Texas. Running back Keaton Mitchell in East Carolina, that is a guy that I do think, uh, even as a day three pick, can come in and immediately step in as the RB2 behind Rashad White. Keaton Mitchell is something special. Uh, and then guard Antonio Maffi out of UCLA, safety Quindell Johnson out of Memphis. Uh, round six, pick 196, quarterback Clayton Toon out of Houston. And then the final pick in round seven, safety Kayvon Merriweather out of Iowa. So he did go on to address some of those needs that I'm concerned about. But David, uh, what pops out to you in uh, in day three? of the or the second pick of day two in in ethan's mock yeah i mean honestly like the the thing that jumps out the most is that we're getting so it's so two edge rushers back to back to start the draft is one thing three defensive linemen or defensive front seven players i'll, I'll say three defensive front seven guys in the first four picks is a whole other thing um and yeah moro jomo is definitely someone who's coming up a lot look i like luke whipler i think that pick uh, is really solid as long as you can shift him over to guard keaton mitchell i think you are I like Keaton Mitchell. You mm -hmm. love Keaton Mitchell. I would not make him an RB2. I would make him a Swiss Army knife gadget type of guy that we can work into uh here. I mean, I don't I don't hate any of these picks. I'm not super high on Clayton Toon, but he's a six-round pick for a reason. Um right. so you know that it is kind of what it is. Um, I probably would have gone with a kicker uh at 252. I don't know who would have been available, but there are some solid kickers that instead of letting them get an undrafted free agency, just spend a 252nd overall pick on one of them, get him into camp. Uh, you know, there's a the kid from Syracuse, kid from Maryland. Uh, Jake Moody out of Michigan is probably getting drafted earlier. Um, there's a there's a couple of them. There's there's a, probably about a handful of of good to decent kickers in this year's draft that I would probably you know and if you're in a situation where you just release your veteran kicker, go ahead and draft one of them and, and see if they can't pan out. But overall, I mean, look, I don't hate the class. Um, I think if you get an edge rusher in the first two rounds, it says something really really big about Joe Tryon Schwinka, um, and not a good thing. Um, so I don't know that, you know, if the Buccaneers go edge in the, in round one or round two, I think that's, that's a problem more than anything, because if it's not saying something about Joe Tryon and Schwenka, it's saying something about the health of Shaquille Barrett. And I really don't want to say something about the health of Shaquille Barrett 
So hopefully it's saying something about the development of Joe because his development is something that he can fix. If Shaq's injury is just bad and you know the, the ramifications are going to be bad, that's not something he can help. So I'd rather go the angle where the guy can, uh, can fix himself. Um, yeah, so I mean, again, I don't hate the players uh, per se. I don't like the first pick, but I haven't liked Lucas Van Ness as the first pick since the first time I saw his name there and went back and watched him. I just don't see it. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, uh, I mean, and Jason Light's fully aware that this is kind of a make or break year for Joe Tryon Shoyinka in terms of his development. And, and all of our listeners, unless you're new to the show, know that I like Joe Tryon Shoyinka, but need to see him develop that that finisher type of characteristic because he he can get to the quarterback, he can generate you know pressure, but that pressure needs to turn into sacks, needs to turn into forced fumbles, uh, needs to turn into more than just pressure um the only other thing that i i will say uh is did grab two safeties uh but i don't think uh quindle johnson or Kayvon merriweather are the type of safeties that are going to step in and start immediately if they do probably a problem on the back end of the defense so i would have liked to have seen that addressed earlier but again i i get what ethan was going for overall Definitely not the worst mock that I've seen for the Buccaneers. I, I wouldn't mind a class like this. Uh, and again, I like Lucas Van Ness much more than you do. I'm not saying I love him, but I like him a little bit more than you do. But that is going to do it for Well, the good news is Ooh. if you do look at Quindell Johnson or Caleb Merriweather's start at safety, it's very good that you have a lot of pass rushers because you're going to need to get to the quarterback very, very quickly before they can take advantage of those guys being back there. It's also good news that CJ Stroud will be in the division because he's Stop not it. Stop it. That's Stop it. For this episode of Mock Draft Monday. Thank you again for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or view every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes from free agency to the draft salary cap management and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. David will be back tomorrow because I have to do the hockey dad thing. But of course, if you want to join in on the conversation, send in your mock drafts, send in your topics, send in your ideas, your thoughts, your concerns, anything at all, you can do so at LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com or slide in the DMs at LockedOnBucks on Twitter. Check out David's work over at BucksGameDay.com. Check out mine over at BucksNation.com. And of course, follow everything on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at D Harrison82. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. And we thank you for joining us right here on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.